Hello and welcome to today's very special 16 Champs episode of the Baco Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour podcast network. We are so excited to bring you today's very special episode. So much to talk about. Baco won the 16th tournament at Echo Lake on Tuesday afternoon. It was a great day. Baco went 4 0, won the championship game in overtime against Brant Lake, an absolute thriller. So, we got everything going on on this podcast. We're having interviews with three of the stars from the team Evan Glatzer, Aiden Rabb, and Ben Cohen. And also, we'll break down all the aspects of all the games and analysis with Ethan Lairfeld afterwards. All coming up here on an action packed episode of the Baco Sports Report. All right, we are now here joined live by, as I mentioned before, the three stars, the three of the main stars of the team had big performances yesterday. Evan Glasser and Rab and Cohen. So, guys, what are you feeling like now? We're a day after the game. How are you guys feeling right now? Got it. You got it. Like we're in the hour after. Like we're walking around like kings around camp. Little kids are running up to us, saying congratulations, giving us hugs. Like it's the best feeling. Definitely a little sore. Yeah, I can see <laughs> slept that. all yeah. day. Nah, it feels great. We waited all year for that day, and we took took advantage of it. We capitalized, and it feels great the day after. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Like, it's pretty cool. So, like, what else? When you guys were, you know, in that game yesterday, in the finals, like, obviously, we're going to explain later. We're going to go into more detail about what actually happened in the game. But, like, well, were you guys feeling a lot of pressure to, like, to take it home? Or was it kind of just, like, whatever happens, happens? Like, if we lose, it is what it is. If we win, like, we get this. Like, were you feeling the pressure? No. I mean, definitely felt the pressure. We went in there thinking we were the best team. Yeah. And have to repeat. you got to go back-to-back. Back. We were the ones with the target on our backs, having won it last year. So definitely felt the pressure. Had everybody behind us. Yeah. I think going in being the favorite team, there's a lot of pressure involved with that. I mean, you feel like, you kind of, like you're playing the kids a year younger than you from Brant. You know, the kids right. you, you've seen before and you know don't have the same skill level as the kids that we played in previous years. So there's definitely some pressure to like get, get past that and beat those kids that are just definitely not as good as we are on right. paper. Right, yeah, I think that brings up an interesting point. So, Evan, I want to know how you think, like, obviously, you know, last year and past years, you know, for things like 16s, you've been playing up. Now to kind of be playing down to the people, like, was it a different kind of feeling? Because, like, instead of being the guy, like, you were like, kind of like the scrappy underdog. Now you're like the favorite, and everyone's like, oh, Glatzer. Like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different feeling. Like, you know, last year we hadn't won a basketball tournament since, who knows, 2009 or whatever it was. Or something so like that, yeah. No one was really expecting anything out of it, so it's definitely, you know, you're, pl- you're not playing the same, like, you're, you're playing with almost even more intensity than you right. are. But uh, I think today, yesterday, we brought the same intensity, and uh, it's, it's, it's weird because... Last year we were playing our brain age group, and right. it's like you've been playing those kids for five straight years, and it's almost right. like you don't have beef with them, but like right. it's like you have this weird yeah like, right yeah. Just for context for people who might not know, basically Brant ends at age fifteen, and we're all sixteen years old, so Brant brings their fifteen year old age group into our sixties basketball, which is why we're playing down a level. Just for context, and I think it's like. I feel like going in last year, I, I knew the name of every kid in the starting five right. and the sixth and seventh man. Right. But this year, I knew no one besides one kid who right, right. We, we all knew, like good shooter and who played up in previous years. So I think it's really different when you're going in there and you're kind of trying to figure out, you know, what each player's role right, of is course. on the other right, team. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, like we only got to watch like one game, like Brant played Echo, and we're now like trying to figure out like who these kids are, like how they play. 
and especially since they brought in like a new kid this year, like definitely very hard to like manage him. Especially because yeah. he had a very good game too. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's interesting. How do you guys think that it was like to kind of play? You guys played three non-competitive games to start, right? You played Brampy, you rolled over them. You played Walton, you really rolled over them. I mean, the starters barely got any minutes because it was such a blowout. You played Echo. We talked about in the last podcast how it was a close game the other day. That was a blowout. Then you play the Brant game and you get up to the hot start. Like, are you? What are you thinking after that hot start? Because you've been rolling over teams all day. You get out to the early 11-2 lead. Like, what's going through your mind then? Like, I'm just thinking, like, we better not let this up. Like, we have to keep pushing. Like, we can't let Brent get any momentum, any confidence back that, that they can get back into the game. Yeah, I feel like with Brent, like, you're always waiting for that dagger three and then the turnover that's going to, like, put right, him right back course. in the game. But honestly, I felt like we had a good head of steam, and I felt like there was almost, like, no stopping us. And then, like... Classic Baco come out really strong and then Brant slowly chips away and comes right, back. Right, right. So um, I definitely want to talk about the, with this. You talk to you about this too. Like when they're when you get out to that quick lead, right? They obviously they kind of adjusted. They started trapping you more in the middle right. and forcing you to kick it outside. Yeah. Like what was your change of vision, especially in the second half? Once they started, they started to come back really when they started to try to eliminate the inside for you. And they were kind of not totally sacking off you, but they were kind of playing off you a little yeah. to try to cut down your drives. Like, what was your thought process then? Like, I just got to trust my shooters? Or like, yeah, what were exactly. You? I mean, Ben hit a key three in the beginning. You, you just got to trust your shooters. Like, you can't do it all yourself, honestly. Right. It's just it's a team game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is, like, something we've always talked about, but, like, this team is a big, like, role-player team. Like, obviously, like, Leo Hoffman playing amazing defense. Yeah, like, definitely. Huge role-player. Like, he did, wasn't much of an offensive threat, but he didn't need to be, and he knew, like, yeah. what he needed to do for the team. Like, obviously, we know when Evan has the ball, he's a threat. You, like, go to the basket. Like, it doesn't really yeah. – everyone else can kind of just clear out and be ready to take open shots if you get a pass, but – I think it's really important that everyone really knew their role. Yeah, I agree. I thought everyone did a great job really knowing their role, especially, like, you guys, because obviously, you know, Glasser, you dropped 26 in this game, 27. Like, that was, you scored a lot, but I think the rest of the players really did a great job, you know, owning up their roles. So I also want to talk to you about what your thought process, all you guys, after the number seven kid comes down for Brant, he hits that enormous three with, you know, a minute to go that ties it up, like, what are you guys thinking then? Like, we have to win this in regulation because, like, they had the momentum going to overtime? Or, like, are you just thinking, like, what can we do to win this game? I was definitely thinking, like, wow, like, we have to end this in regulation. Like, this cannot go into overtime. Like, like you said, like, yeah, they had all the momentum going for them. They just came back. Like, I was not like, ready to play another five minutes after playing this whole tournament. But, like, after we went into overtime, we just got ourselves back together. We're like, all right, like, we could actually do this. We played hard and fought hard, and we ended up winning the game. Personally, I was really just praying that we'd have the ball in the last, right. like we'd have the last possession, because mm-hmm. I, I would like was totally not prepared for like a Brant last possession, like yeah, just waiting for right, that right. like dagger deep three that like yeah. you never know is gonna go in. So I think having the ball in our hands for that last possession was really like key. Like, reassuring, like, yeah. yeah, it was really really assuring. Like knowing like. Okay, we might not win, but we we're not, not gonna, gonna lose. Yeah. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So, right. So obviously, Glasser, you had the ball there on the last possession. Like yeah. after that shot doesn't go in, it was definitely a tough shot. Like no one should expect you to make that. It was like right. a contested three at the end of regulation. What's your mindset going into overtime going after into you overtime? missed that shot? 
gotta win this game. Like we can't. Yeah. We didn't come out 16s our last year as right. a as a camper to go lose in overtime to a brand age group that's a year younger than us. Like that, that, that just that wasn't gonna happen for us. Right. Honestly. Yeah. So you guys felt super motivated at the end. And then you finally win it all. And there was, you know, the huge mosh pit in the middle. You yeah. come home, you know, you run down through the tennis courts. Everyone's mosh pitting again on the big court. Like, you go bunk to bunk. You go on the lake. Like, what does all that feel like for you guys? Like, it's it amazing. It was surreal. Like, having the whole camp, like, just partying with you. Like, you're holding the trophy. Like, we're pretty much just, like, running the camp now. Like Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a different feeling from last year when you have, like, you know, like, Evan, and you have the older kids really, like, putting the team on their shoulders, right. but this year, like, it us. It, it's us, you know, like, we're, like, a much bigger part of that, so it's just, like, it's it's a lot more, I don't know, it feels more real. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, I would also just say one more question, like, obviously, last year, you guys, you know, were the younger kids with the older age group, you know, like... You were kind of helping them out. Like, what do you think about the contributions from a lot of the younger kids on the team, like, helping you out? Obviously, you mentioned Leo Hoffman was just enormous oh, yeah. in this game defensively. Like, do you think they'll be able to carry on, take your lead last year the way that you were with them? Uh, yeah, definitely. 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 Like, Eli Greenberger. Yeah, he had a huge game. Really stepped up. Out. Really stepped up. Like you said, like, Leo played great defense. You had contributions from Jaden. Had a couple shots, like... They all they all stepped up. They all knew their roles, and I think I really do think that they can carry on this like, Baco this new Baco dynasty till next year, and hopefully the year after that. I think Noodle really yeah. did yeah. great on yeah. the boards. Yeah. I mean, he had some key finishing. He finished a lot. He had some key putbacks. Yeah. yeah, key shots. I mean, Eli obviously with sixteen points in the semifinal game against Echo. Yeah, really like was leading the team up the court. We were pushing the ball really well, and he was always find his, finding the finishing yeah, that's spot. Especially after, like, some of the starters were, like, in foul trouble, and he really, like, when he came into the game, he really stepped up, hit, knocked yeah, out the shots. Yeah, and, and Greenberger played the entire game, the entire final, so yeah. he was really huge. All the, all the younger kids knew their role, and then, and they played it yeah, to the best great. of their abilities and gave it out on the floor, and even, it was even, perfect. Well, it was their last time playing their last – Brand age group, so they they knew they also had to leave it out on the floor. Like they didn't come all this way to never beat their brand age group. They wanted to just win their final. Right, time. that was that was one of our points when we t like huddled like right. the night before. We yeah. always have a talk, a pre sixteens talk, and I told them, uh, "You don't get another chance at playing." I told the fifteen year olds, "You don't get another chance at playing your brand age group right. again in a right. tournament." Like last year, it was our last time playing. Right, all those kids, all right? Those so kids you played for years. It's it's a different feeling for us yeah. now because we're not playing those kids anymore. But I told them it's it's so rewarding to beat them yeah. that one last time. I mean, it's the same kids you've been playing since you were eleven. So right. the same kids that were beating you since you yeah. were eleven. So, yeah. so they yeah. had that extra motivation motivation as well that definitely propelled us. And I think also always being that like talked about team around camp, and then we could never really can like convert. Right, you know? right. For years, everyone's like, oh, like. This is the age group, and mm -hmm. then to never win, to finally get it now, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Finally all came together. Perfect. Yep. All right, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks Maddie. Maddie. Of course. All right, so now I am joined by Ethan Lairfield here. You guys probably heard him the other day on our preview pod. Um, he's a great analytical voice, knows a lot about the game. Uh, we were both there yesterday, obviously, there to watch the team play, so... Larryfield, how you doing? 
I'm doing good. Um, that was a very insane tournament. Um, well, I mean, the last game, the first couple of games were blowouts, but that was it was just a uh, great day of basketball. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It was an amazing day. I mean, obviously, the first couple of games were not very competitive. I think Baco really got themselves rolling early, and that's what typically happens. You know, the shooting was obviously just smoking hot. Everyone, Rab, went three for four in the first game against Brad B. You know, a lot of the players, JFD was nailing his threes early against Brant B. Yeah. And Walden, and in classic form, obviously, when the pressure ramped up, um, I think the shooting got a little bit tougher. The defenses guarded a lot better, so their shooting kind of fell off a little bit late. Um, but I think the early games were definitely important to get the team rolling, especially guys, younger guys like Eli Greenberger. So I think overall it was a great day, a lot of competitive basketball there towards the end. Just a really fun day to watch. Yeah, uh, I'm very happy that the first couple games were blood, so a lot of the younger guys could get work for you know next year's six teams. Uh, obviously, JFD had a tough time during the Echo Lake uh, uh, night game, right. and he played well against Walden. I mean, Walden didn't to to be nice didn't bring the strongest team, but yes. you know it, it's still very good to get out to get out there and you know and play and sell yourself and get a bit more comfortable playing on such a right. Big I stage. think that comfort definitely helped. When we got later against a team like Brant Lake, who was obviously, you know, these, these guys had all been on the big stage before yeah, last year. Saw, these guys all came last year to play 14s at Baco in front of the intimidating crowd uh, up on the hill. So, like, these guys for Brant all knew, the, like, how to feel the pressure. So, I think the younger guys for Baco really got the experience going early in important tournament games, um, which definitely helped. And especially, like I mentioned, a guy like Eli Greenberger, Leo Hoffman, uh, younger guys playing up, they really made a big impact. They both progressively got more yes, effective as the day went on, and, and just by the finals, they were playing absolutely excellent. Right, I think it's definitely... Eli had a better semis, but, uh, you know, they both played really good. Yeah, Yeah, I would say especially Leo Hoffman's defense, uh, their best player, um, number two for Brant Lake, um, I think that he played absolutely tremendous on-ball defense. I mean, this guy, this point guard is a really great player. He's a slasher. He can really shoot the three, too. Like, he has deep range. And, you know, Hoffman really guarded up tight on him all game long, um, really just got into his grill. And that's really what honestly changed things, I think, because Baco, especially in the second half of that game, they got it to the quick start, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they got it to 11-2 start, and all the momentum has gone to Baco. You know, the crowd is cheering, the B team was there for Baco. Both teams had their B teams cheering on. Um, the crowd is going crazy. It's 11-2. Brant calls timeout. It's like, okay, Baco, like, we got this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Brant starts coming back. And they start creeping closer and creeping closer and creeping closer. And then I think it's really Baco's defense, which is really what saved them, especially when they couldn't get the shot going. Um, as I mentioned, they started collapsing, especially the second half on Glapser inside, leaving shooters open. Baco was struggling. But it's really that defense that really kept them going. You had Glapser going man-to-man against number seven, one of their other best players who hit a clutch shot that we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, and Hoffman guarding number two, who's the point guard. Yeah. So that was really huge, their defense, especially when they couldn't get the offense going. And a lot of that came from the younger guys contributing. Yeah, I mean, Leo, you know, he had four steals uh, during the finals. Uh, he and it played insane face guarding on them. Uh, uh, number two, he sent, I mean, his biggest asset, number two, was uh, his uh, three-point ability. And um, I thought Leo did a great job of shutting that down and forcing him inside. And he did have a bit of success inside, but Leo all around did a fairly good shot, good job on him. And uh, 
essentially took out, you know, one of their uh, their biggest hitters. Yeah, and I think also Glatzer, just his length on defense was just enormous. He almost had, like, a Giannis-type effect on a lot of the plays that game. Um, just because his length, he can get all over the floor just so much more efficiently than so yeah. many other players can to cover for their mistakes and also just to offer some help defense. Yeah, um, I thought, he had a couple yeah. huge blocks. He even had two blocks on one possession. Um, just back-to-back, back. so he really made a huge impact, not only offensively with his 26 points, but also defensively, and that's really what kept them in the game when they could not get it find anything on offense. Yeah, I thought, you know, Gladstone and Nadell uh, did a really, really good job of guarding the interior and stopping teams all day. Um, Gladstone, I think, had three or four or so blocks in the final game. Um, all around, you know, Baco played stellar defense all day, um, However, I would say that in the finals, you know, maybe it's because of fatigue as things, you know, slowly, uh, you know, grinded on, that they started letting up a bit more deep shots that they were not letting up at the beginning. Um, one kid hit three threes. They, their point guard was a very good shooter. Yeah. But I, I do think, though, that, you know, Baco, even though Brant got momentum many times, never fully collapsed. I would 100% agree. Yeah. It's kind of one of those games where, like, it just felt kind of ominous because for Baco because like they got into the big lead. It was crazy, right? But then it was Brandt, only an like, eight or nine point lead. Yeah, but, but like that's a big lead early, and then basically Brant kept creeping in, and it was like, oh, now it's a five point game, man. Like Baco can still come back from this. It's a three point game. Like no, like Baco's still in the lead. Like we got this. It's a one Baco. point game. It's like oh no, like this is getting really tight, and then it's like tied up with a minute to go. As I said before, one of their best players, number seven, hits this off-balance three with a minute left from like in a foot back from the three-point line, just hits this crazy shot to tie up this game, and like it was like a tie game. You're like, oh no, like Bejo had a real scoring drought. They were struggling to get the ball. Glatzer was just being hounded. Um team was struggling with their shots. I think a lot of that is due to fatigue, especially. 100% because you're playing you're so many hot, minutes. Yeah. It's, it was a really hot day outside. You know, in the high 80s, you're playing outdoors, right in the sun. There's no shade on that court. So I definitely think fatigue definitely played a part, especially, you know, Glatzer was carrying such a heavy workload all game long. And, you know, he's ha the ball is in his hands so often, and he's creating his, uh, trying to create his own shots. You know, he's doing Euro steps, spin moves, readjusting in the air. So that definitely played a part in it. Yeah. And I think Brandt also just figured out a way to guard him a lot better than they had earlier in the game and a lot better than teams like Echo had earlier yeah, in the definitely game. Early, uh, early in the game, you know, there was good uh, distribution. Uh, Evan was obviously doing well, but it really looked like a well-tuned offense as opposed to late, you know, the final couple minutes. Uh, Evans just started right. taking things himself, and when you're that tired, it's very hard to just take things yourself. Right, and I'm not even sure. I mean, obviously, I think by overtime they started playing. I think by overtime though they started playing their game right. again. Um, they understood that you know the magnitude situation that look we have we really have to give it our all. And in overtime, everybody stepped up, right. especially defensively. With and I would also say another out. key thing. If I you had know. to say one play of the game that was the most key play of the game, it would easily be this one play. It's in overtime, early overtime. As I mentioned, one of Francois's players, the guy who hit the enormous shot with a minute to go to tie up the game, number seven, he was being guarded by Glatzer all game, and Glatzer picks his pocket and gets a steal with him in overtime. And then immediately after that, number seven reaches and fouls out. And that was just the biggest play of the game with, you know, three minutes to go in overtime. It was a four-minute overtime period. That play was just yeah. enormous because that kid was basically their whole offense there because their Leo was face-guarding number two. So, really, their only big option was – 
Number seven, just dribbling the ball around, setting off ball screens, curling up for him to pass, and then get the ball back and drive to the hoop or take some deep threes. And once he came out of the game, their offense was just stat. Brand offense just could not get anything going, and they started getting desperate and fouling Baco, which is ultimately what led to their victory. And Baco also, we have to give him a ton of credit, Lerfo, because they hit a ton of huge free throws late in the game. For yeah, Brad, they, they did like not miss Berger. most of their free throws, yeah. Um, those are high-pressure free throws, so much at stake, and they really made them count. Yeah, um, you know, I also thought a big part in a bit this big of a victory was rebounding. Offensive rebounding, giving yourself a second chance, and defensive rebounding, uh, preventing them from not hitting So I chance. would say... Aiden had like eight really so big Rab, rebounds. I thought yeah. Rab played terrific on the glass, and... Noodle, I thought that uh, Danny did a really good job platooning Noodle because there were definitely times in the game where, look, Brant, just for listeners who weren't there, Brant had a very switchable team. Um, they had a lot of similarly sized, you know, like 5'9", 5'10", kind of like physical, athletic, like kind of guard forward combo types. They didn't really have a true big though, um, which definitely was to our detriment and uh, Baker was definitely able to use that to their advantage with Noodle on the floor. There were also definitely times, though, where Noodle, you know, struggled to get up and down the court and run with them. Um, but I thought that he made an enormous impact when he was in the game with second chance points because Brand, at the end of the day, was just not tall enough, was just not physical enough to rebound over Glatzer yeah. and Noodle together. Another and that impact. was huge. Yeah, another impact towards the end of the game, which I thought was really good, was their press defense. Throughout the day, you know, uh, I don't know how many times they pressed, maybe six or so, five, but three of them resulted in turnovers. Yes. And that is a great really impressive, especially for a press where, where if you screw up or if the opposing team has a good player who could throw a good long ball, you're done. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, another big thing also that led to a big of success was definitely the weave offense they ran. Uh, Brandt, um, you know, when Brandt played a 2-3, uh, the key to 2-3 is really driving in and kicking out and getting deep shots. But sometimes in 2-3, it's very hard to drive one-on-one. -on -one. But with the, this weave offense they ran, it essentially cleared up space for people to go right. inside, Particularly have Glatzer. a clear lane inside so they can kick it out right. and give to someone like Ben, who was pretty much 50% from the three-point line all day. Right, and I think that's a key point because Glatter's game, he is an inside-out game. You know, obviously he can really create his own shot. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor. But where he's at his best, where he just gets it, when he just gets downhill and he's really just flat out impossible to stop, is when he's just driving to the basket and there's nothing you can do about it, where he's just so soft around the rim. And I think that Baco did a great job all game long. And there was definitely a lull in, I think, the early second half where they were struggling, but I think they made a readjustment or glad to just kind of figured out how to better to counter that defense. And... Look, I mean, Baco definitely could have hit some more shots in the final game, but the, I think the role players 100% did enough to win them that game. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, you know, Evan, I mean, towards the end of the game, uh, Evan started doing things himself. They stopped really using the whole weave concept a lot towards the end of the game, and then over time they're like, all right, let's get back to what we did in the first quarter, or sorry, the first half. You know, uh, using the weave offense, driving in, kicking out, driving back in again. Uh, exploding on the off on the offensive rebounds. Right, and of uh, course using and of course using the defense with Teague against them because you know it's a long game, it's a hot day. You've been playing outdoors all day long. You know, 
it's a really tough day, and I think both teams started to feel it by the end because, as Rab said earlier in the interview section of the podcast, you know, he was, like, when it got to overtime, they were just like, oh, God, five more minutes. Like, that shows the mindset. Like, they're fatigued. Both teams were really fatigued by the end, and especially once number seven fell down, he was really carrying their offense, Brant. Um, and once he fell down, Brant really just did not have much of an answer, which ultimately is what led to the big victory in correlation with, you know, uh, yeah. Baco's excellent yeah. shooting. Something that was very impressive very was the fact that Brant almost had uh, like zero offensive possessions in overtime. They, they might have had like one or two, but they were short. Pretty much every time Brant had the ball in uh, overtime, it resulted in a turnover or yes. a missed shot or something like that. With the exception of, I, I think, maybe one occasion where they scored. But Baco did an excellent job of just commanding the floor in overtime and really playing their game playing the game on their terms, and ultimately they didn't need to, you know, do a bunch of flashy stuff, they just needed to control the tempo, and that put them over the hill in a game that they could have easily collapsed and lost on. Right, I think the momentum, I think it was really impressive of Baco to bounce back in that OT period, because they had all the momentum all game long, and as I said, Brandt was kind of just coming a little closer, and I think that they really were able to do an amazing job stopping kind of Brandt's momentum going into overtime, and just coming back. And, you know, with just fight, and as Glasser said before, like, they were not losing that game. And you could really see that they just flat out wanted it more, and they were aggressive. The intensity in that place was just through the roof. Like, they wanted it so badly. And I think that's ultimately what mattered at the end of the day, that they just wanted it more, and they went out and they got it. I thought their inbound plays were good, too. I remember throughout the day, three instances where their inbound plays almost worked perfectly, and Glasser or Nadell ended up scoring. Yes. Um, Picks were very sharp on the inbound plays. Uh, Usually got it out successfully. They didn't really have any trouble there. I thought they would have a lot of trouble in overtime with Brandt guarding their inbounds, but they didn't. But I think, you know, to wrap this up, with Bago's performance, I mean, they obviously had some faults, uh, hot and cold shooting. Yeah. But with their, but you know, with their good performance, uh, you know, now they're back-to-back champs. You know, what are, what are their chances to, to, you know, to go to Jacob's Cup and you know, you know, turn a bit of heads, you know, or or. Right, definitely. So yeah. So just for reference, Jacob's Cup is what they'll be going to in a week and a half or two weeks. Now, um, basically, it's this tournament that happens in Pennsylvania every year between sixteen different teams. Um, one of which will be Baco for the second straight year. Baco had not been in 10 years before they went last year. It's basically the super competitive team that kind of goes outside, you know, our little Adirondack bubble of Echo Lake, Brand Lake, Walden. Um, you know, so because bracket. they won, they will be headed there, um, which should be really exciting to see how they stack up against even better competition than a team like Brand Lake. So, yeah, I think now the focus definitely turns to that, although we definitely should – be able to enjoy the 16th victory back-to-back seasons. Yeah, definitely. It's just a hard, grinded-out victory. And props to Brandt, too. They did not go away during that game. No, they could have they easily kept... they could have easily faded when it was, you know, an 8-point game, 9-point game, 10-point game early throughout, the, mainly for a lot of the first quarter, first half, it was, you know, a solid big lead. And Brandt could have easily faded, um, but you have to give them credit for staying in the game until the point where they really had given themselves a chance. Um... But at the end of the day, I think you had Baco just did a terrific job staying in the game. They really kept their poise and composure. And as we talked about on the preview pod, that experience, that guys like Glatzer, that guys like Ben, that guys like Chuck, 
and Rab all possess really showed out at the end of the day because they were able to keep their poise. They were able to stay locked in even when it was like, you know, Maybe times were going tough. They were in a lull right. offensively, but they kept their focus on defense. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what won them this game. Yeah, definitely. It was just a all-around, well-grinded-out performance. All right. A big thanks to all our guests for appearing on today's show. It was a great day. Congrats to 16's Hoops for winning an amazing tournament. Back-to-back seasons. They'll try to repeat next year. Obviously, Jacob's Cup coming up soon. Um, so that should be awesome. Just a heads up, public service announcement. We should be coming out with another podcast in a day or two. I actually did a play-by-play of the entire second half and overtime of the game that I think we're going to put on this podcast feed for you guys if you want to check that out too. Um, So stay tuned for that one too. So thank you guys so much. I am your host, Maddie Wasserman, saying so long. We will see you soon on the Mako Sports Report.